Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. My guest today is passionate about knives, all kinds of knives, including folding knives, fixed blade knives, kitchen knives, tactical knives, and multi-tools. He's David C. Anderson. He is digital marketing manager for KnifeCenter.com, as well as host of the company's YouTube channel, where he reviews knives, answers questions, and gives tips for the channel's 182,000 subscribers. And you can go to KnifeCenter.com for all the information about every knife you ever want to look at, use, cut with, etc. David, welcome to the show. Ira, thanks so much for having me. And love the title of your show, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. When did you first develop an interest in knives? I know that you were a Boy Scout, so that probably had something to do with it. Am I correct? Uh, you are quite correct. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a lot of my passions today can be traced back to uh, to my days in the Boy Scouts, whether it's cooking, camping, all of those things I enjoyed doing there. Like you always had a pocket knife on your side. And there's kind of that be prepared mentality. And especially when you're a kid, and especially when it's something uh, really cool that your dad gives you, there's something totemistic about that little pocket knife. You know, it's something that you, you can just tell is special. And whether you're, you're, you know, whether you're a young boy scout, whether you're girl scout, whether you're just anybody, there's a connection. I think when you, when you hold a knife, deep down at least, you may not realize it, realize it, but something inside of you, there's this primal connection to it. And the reason for that, I think, is the history of the human species is the history of the knife. You know, we say that it's, it's humankind's oldest crafted tool was the sharpened edge. And it's what allowed you and me to be uh, talking several hundred miles apart now today. It all <laughs> comes back to, you know, that little sharpened edge. You know, we weren't always the dominant species on this planet. We were just like fleshy primates and we couldn't even climb trees that well. <laughs> so you're saying that the but, that that superseded or it was better than the invention of the wheel. Well, I wouldn't say uh, better, but it, it certainly came came for, came earlier. But no, that, that was the uh, the equalizer. We didn't have claws or fangs or any of the things that uh, you know the the apex predators of the day had. So you know that that sharpened edge. You know, we were able to feed ourselves. We were able to start crafting, you know, more and more complex tools over time. You know, even even if you just look at the knife stuff, like the hatchet came later, and then spears, arrows which I just call arrows, fast knives on sticks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but everything came back from that. Like everything, every invention we have today is because of that sharpened edge, whether it's that Swiss army knife on your, your keychain, whether you're in the kitchen cutting a bagel with your, uh, your bread knife or, you know, the, the little utility knife, little box cutter you have in your toolbox. It all came back or, or those all connect us back to primitive humans. And, you know, I'm talking to you through this webcam, which is, just this little hunk of plastic and glass because somewhere way back when somebody found just the right rock and hit it in just the right way so that it split to form this sharp edge. That was the original survival knife. And everything we have today is because of that. It really is. It is amazing how we've progressed over the centuries. I think the other connection for you, and I may be speaking out of turn, but I think the connection for you besides getting your first knife was who gave it to you. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when your dad gives you something when when you're a young boy, when especially when it's something that he tells you is special and tells you, you know, this is a tool to be respected. You know, I, I used the word I used the word totemistic earlier, and there's just something special about that. And I still have that knife that my my dad gave me today. And like, 
you know, the, the history of the knife and the history of, of humans, you can see kind of my evolution in, you know, or, or my growth of knowledge over the years in that pocket knife, as I've like sharpened things differently, you can still see ways I screwed it up and then went back and fixed it later. And it, it that one knife really tells the story of, of how I got to where I am today. Yeah, I'd say it's quite a, quite a story. And, and obviously, you've been able to take that connection with your dad and your first knife to all kinds of adventures and to what you're doing today. You, you started out, you were writing a blog. It was called The Truth About Knives, and that was in 2014. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people may not know this. You formed Nordsmith Knives in 2016, and you had you created the Canteen Knife. So tell us a little bit about that, because again, we're, we're making a little journey with you from being sure. a kid to all of a sudden now creating your own knife. What was the Canteen Knife? Well, the Canteen Knife was something I had been thinking about for years, even as I just started to write for that blog. I wanted a camp knife, quote unquote camp knife, that could do everything I wanted my quote unquote camp knife to do, but I could also do rock chopping cuts on a cutting board like a kitchen knife. And there was just nothing, there was no product out there that really did quite what I was looking for. So a few years after writing for the trained idea in my head that I wanted to be doing more, I was like, I have this thought, I need to make this a thing. And I did. Uh, and I worked with uh, this guy, Matthew Wright, who is the phenomenal player in the, uh, the outdoor space, who is something of a mentor to me. He taught me how to make knives. And I came up with this design that really did all of it. You know, I like to say whether you're you know, carving turkey or carving wood, it's going to do the job and it's going to do it all really well. Because I didn't want to have to bring a kitchen knife when I went camping in addition to the other stuff I was bringing, you know. You only have so much space and so much weight you want to deal with. And, you know, other companies make quote unquote outdoor kitchen knives when really it's just a, a chef knife gussied up with like camouflage or orange to say, oh, now it's a camp knife. No, it's not. You know, that's not what I was looking for. So getting something that really, truly combined in a, a earnest way, those two qualities was what led to that knife and several you know designs that came after it as well. But that canteen knife, if I'm ever known for any design, it'll probably be that. I you know was fortunate enough to uh, be featured on some magazine covers. It's just, it's been an amazing journey for me. And that is part of it. I could see also you putting on your wall behind glass the knife your dad gave you and the canteen knife. And it kind of shows your story in a very sure. visual way. So you might want to it's think fun. about doing that. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned behind glass because, you know, there's there's this concept in, you know, not just the knife community, but of, of having a, a safe queen, you know, something that gets purchased and, and never used. I'll admit I have some of that. I have some things that I buy just for purely collections sake, but I still carry that knife that my dad gave me from, from time to time. And I still use the very first canteen knife that that LT and I built together. You know, I want those knives to to tell a story at the end of my life. And, you know, the more the more it's not behind the gl- glass, the more of a story it can tell. <laughs> no, that's, you're right about that. Maybe I was thinking just as a a statement of who you are when people come into the office, they'll see that on the wall and they don't have to know anything else about you. They just see it right there. Sure, sure. So, you know, it's interesting about knives. It's different from guns. A lot of people are more willing to deal with knives than with guns. But even in the world of knives, there's a lot of misconceptions. And one, I think, that's very typical, and I speak not as an expert on anything, but 
I think there's a common misconception that it's more dangerous to have a sharp blade than a dull blade. And yet it's the opposite, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially when you, uh, you know, you, you see it more, more often than anywhere else, probably in the kitchen, you know, with, with your kitchen knives. If your knife is dull, you're not working with the knife. You're working against the knife. And the more you're working against anything, whether it's a knife or Mother Nature or society, the more you're working against a thing, the harder that thing becomes or the harder that thing is to accomplish. If you've got a sharp knife, you're not fighting through a tomato or an onion or whatever. You can just glide through. You're sure in your motions. And then if you do mess up and you do cut yourself, it's going to be a cleaner cut and it's going to heal a lot better than a, a, a jagged, dull cut is going to do for you. Yeah, I think the mentality is that if you have a dull blade, that if you do slip on cutting a vegetable, at least it won't cut you as bad as a sharp blade or all the way through. But I think you're right that it's better to have a clean cut than what you get with a dull blade. But that I think, isn't that a common misperception about knives? Oh, it it, it really is. And you know, one of the things I like to do, you know, jumping ahead here a little bit. No, go right um, ahead. You know, working with the uh, the YouTube channel at Knife Center, which has been an amazing opportunity. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that in more depth, but I wanted to just talk a little bit about these misconceptions. Sure. And I'm sure you get those questions on your YouTube channel, which is a big part, I think, of the appeal of Knife yeah. Center is your, is your YouTube channel. But yeah, is that one of the more common misconceptions that come up? A little bit less on the channel specifically because we're dealing a little bit more with enthusiasts. But one of my my favorite videos we do, we do three videos every week. And Saturday, we do a, a question and answer segment. And I'm able to talk about things like that, some of those misconceptions and things that people just don't quite have the right grasp on. And I don't know everything, certainly, but the things I've learned over the years, I'm able to kind of pass on through that avenue, which is really awesome. Also, too, the fact that you do three a week, that to me, that would be exhausting, but then I'm generally lazy. So <laughs> you have to do those plus your regular job as well in digital marketing for the Knight Center. But what I like about your YouTube videos is when you do to do the question and answer or frequently asked questions or whatever you want to call that segment, you handle it with a very calm demeanor and you're not trying to sell something. You're answering questions and giving knowledge to people that may not have that knowledge. And even when you're doing reviews of knives, I watched the one you did on the Swiss Army knives, and I have a couple of Swiss Army knives, as I assume most people do. And you went through each of the Swiss Army knives, the different types that were there. I think there were roughly around 12, if I remember, off the top of my head. But the point was that you're not trying to sell one or the other. You're really giving a dissertation. Uh, it sounds very academic. You're doing a dissertation on the features of each of the knives, because each one obviously is distinct. There are certain similar ones. Everyone's going to have a blade, and everyone's probably going to have the ubiquitous bottle opener, but there's different models for different uses. And the way you handle it, I think, is what makes the channel popular. You're not trying to sell something. You're trying to give knowledge. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, Knife Center is a knife retailer, so the, you know, the YouTube channel supports you know, the sales avenue of the site. But... I'm really fortunate in that, you know, the, the owner of the company, my boss, really prides some of the sections on, you know, the website proper as being a resource, as being educational. And the YouTube channels really, you know, we're, we're giving presentations, but it has that same mentality. We're trying to provide information and be a resource on all these different things. And, you know, if, if, if it was 
you know, the home shopping network on YouTube, it wouldn't work, you right, know? <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm, I'm able to, I'm able to get up there and, and talk about who this is or isn't good for. And, you know, some of these things might not be my cup of tea, but th that doesn't mean this product is no good for anybody. So I'll present what it is. Here's a test for you, David. I'm going to show you something. Can you see it? Uh, that looks like a Benchmade bug out right there. You are right on the mark. And that he, I want people to know that David did that despite my bagel background where the knife was fading in and out. But within about <laughs> a second and a half, you, you identified it. Yes. I know that there are substantial knives out there. I find I use that one because it's so light and carries well. And it's just simply a folding knife that opens easily and is very effective. Do you find that that is an appeal these days that people want lighter knives rather than heavier knives? Or are they looking for some specific thing? And does that change over time for the Knife Center? It definitely changes over time. There are trends that come and go. But right now, that size of knife, that you know, roughly three inch plus or minus uh, on the blade size is perfect for so many general uses like it's not a specialized blade shape if you need something heavy duty or hard use or outdoor there's things you can get for that but if you just need a pocket knife something with more or less a three inch blade that's not too heavy is great for pretty much everyone i gotta say the thing about one thing if i could yes go if right i ahead. could jump in absolutely uh, sort of the, ta the tail end of last question where i kind of lost my train of thought there so just because, you know, there's something that might not be my cup of tea, you know, there may be something I, I present that might not be my cup of tea personally, but it doesn't mean it's not good for anyone out there. So I'll present what that is. And for the folks that worry about, hey, we're a knife retailer, we're not going to say anything bad about a thing. I've always said you can kind of read between the lines with what I am saying and what I'm not saying about a particular knife. And if you're clued in, that'll give you some ideas on, you know, what the knife is or isn't. And I'll also say there have been some, you know, big name brand knives out there that I just have have chosen not to show on the channel because there I found problems with it that I can't in good conscience get up there and, and talk about and recommend. And to my uh, you know, my boss's credit, they've stood behind me when when I've said, Hey, I'm not showing this on the on the show. And that's important for credibility because if everything is shiny and new and great, then nothing is shiny and new and great. Exactly. You have to, to decide. And if I were a and if I were an independent channel, I could get away with more like, you know, dragging on things, not in a mean way, but, you know, re really like leaning into two negative things. But if something's truly that bad for me in my current position, it just never makes it on the right. channel. No, understood. Totally. One thing I noticed about Swiss Army knives, and this is probably because I'm no longer a kid, but I have trouble getting some of the blades open because of the thumb mm. Uh, what do you call that? Not the thumb. The nail uh, nick. Yeah, the nail nick, which of course really nicks my nail rather than anything else. <laughs> and so I learned a little trick watching a YouTube video on how to use the toothpick from a Swiss Army knife to then use that hook part of mm -hmm. it to open the blade. But it mm -hmm. just sounds a little counterproductive or counterintuitive because it's an extra step you have to take to do it. But clearly, Swiss Army knives and those multi tools are very handy. It's just, is there another way around that? In other words, uh, we talked about the bug out, which has a flip action and it's very easy to open. But is there mm -hmm. some other new invention? Maybe you do it, David, where there's another way to open all these tools in a multi-tool and get them open without breaking your, your nail. Well, they make, um, they were more common 
less or less so now, I would say, uh, but there are still some companies like Case Knives that make little uh, little aids, little helpers. Uh, they're essentially little metal tabs that let you get in there and help you open those things. But you know, my uh, my brother's a a good example of having trouble with that stuff too. He has uh, really soft fingernails, and even light uh, opening action knives like those Swiss Army knives pose a difficulty for him, which is a shame because I've I've said for a long time Swiss Army knives are like the great equalizer or or the great common ground, not just amongst knife fanatics, but you know everyone knows and loves a Swiss Army knife, but. I carry one every day. Uh, it's been unchanged for years because it just does everything I need need it to do. But I always pair it with something like the bug out or something else. And and you don't even have to spend a ton of money to get a good one hand opening locking pocket knife. And that's the other important thing. You know, some people, you know, talking about misconceptions, think a lock makes a knife more dangerous because, oh, you you can do more with it. Well, yeah, because you just made the knife safer to use. Exactly. What are some of the other misconceptions that people have of knives? That's that's a good question. You know, there's a there's a lot of terms you might be familiar with as something being like surgical stainless. The thing that makes a steel surgical stainless is more the fact that it is very non-reactive. It's not necessarily the best steel for a knife. In fact, it often isn't. People say a knife is, you know, it holds an edge well because it's hard or this steel is harder than this other one. Well, you can make any steel harder or softer depending on how it's you know it's treated but you know different steels have different qualities that make it hold an edge longer or make it tougher make it more you know absorbent to like shock and that sort of thing but just because it holds an edge well doesn't mean it's harder than this other knife that doesn't hold an edge as well they might be exactly the same hardness knives are tricky little things too because again i mentioned earlier that some people are a little hesitant to work with knives on a regular basis they Again, thinking that a dull knife is safer than a sharp knife, when in fact a sharp knife makes more sense. Where do you fall on the serrated, non-serrated divide? Are you in the middle? Are you on one side or the other? Because some, I know there are people that can't stand serrated blades and other people that love them. Is there a use for a serrated blade or part of a serrated oh. blade when you have a knife that has partly serrated blade edge? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I personally prefer for what I carry every day to have a, a plain edged blade with no serrations. I think they're they're more versatile. They're more useful for more things. Uh, and they're also easier to resharpen. You know, people say, speaking of misconceptions, oh, with a serrated blade, you'll never have to sharpen it. Well, no, <laughs> it'll last longer than the plain edge blade because you've got more edge in the same blade length because you've got the, uh, the little scallops going on and you've got those points that are going to dig into something. And so it'll take longer for it to dull, but it will dull eventually. But that same nature, those you know, extra edge and the more points are going to make it great for cutting into like fibrous materials. And whether we're talking like rope or celery, you know, celery is kind of a fibrous material, but the, those points can really grab into something. And when you're using that, it's a little bit more of a sawing type of action than a, uh, a slicing action, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there's absolutely uses for it. You know, I've got a couple serrated knives in my kitchen. Uh, they obviously have a, a well-documented presence there. Stuff like rubber hoses is, is another one. Any kind of material where a plain edge blade, even if it's razor, razor sharp, might slip off of a material, those serrations can really grab and dig into it and help you cut through. That's good to know because I, I, I'm partial against serrated edges, but now I understand why you could use them in certain situations as well. How about in other misuses of knife lore? People seem to think that they should use their knives 
for opening up those Amazon packages and other kinds of things that come from UPS. And do you recommend that or do you recommend really more using a box cutter? Well, I mean, a box cutter is just a disposable knife, really. You know? Yeah, it's a disposable um, blade, but it's still, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but you, they're relatively inexpensive. And you, I, you sure. I, in other words, I would think you wouldn't want to use your prize knife on opening a box that came to your I, house. I, I don't hesitate to use an expensive knife to open up that, you know, $3 pack of toothbrushes that I just ordered from Amazon. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I, uh, I don't hesitate one bit because it, it goes going back to uh, whether you're going to put a knife in a, uh, a case or not. If you're going to spend money on a, on a good quality knife, don't be afraid to use it. Uh, I always say, and I'm a big fan of the right tool for the job and man, a knife cuts. So why wouldn't you cut with it? You know, you've opened my eyes because I've avoided trying to open a box with my Benchmade bug out, and I've just used a regular box cutter. But yeah, I mean, it's a sharp well, blade. Why for not? the uh, you know for the folks that worry about you know ruining the edge? I mean, card cardboard especially actually can be fairly abrasive to an edge. You know, the next step after you start getting into and and picking up a few knives, pieces of gear, is to learn how to sharpen it, which can be a very intimidating subject. I'd like to think I'm, I'm trying to help out with that a little bit. We've got a playlist of sharpening videos uh, we've done on our uh, on the Knife Center YouTube channel uh, to try and demystify some of that a little bit. Because once you get the hang of it, it's not too hard. And once you know how to sharpen, you probably won't hesitate either to to use your knife. That's the one area I have not yet gone to in the frontier of space, which is sharpening knives. I take it to a guy that does it for me. I'm just not quite there sure. yet where I feel comfortable. But I may I may start watching those videos that you have of knife sharpening, see if I can up my skill a little bit in that sense. So you mentioned the YouTube channel again, and I like the fact that you cover a wide variety of subjects. What are some of the most unusual questions that you get from viewers? Ooh, I don't know if unusual, I like that. I like that when you pause. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about unusual because, well, some things that strike me as unusual, oftentimes what it comes back to is, you know, the, the person asking it doesn't have as full an understanding about a thing that I may have. And so rather than, you know, getting, getting a little like defensive and going, yeah, what the heck are you asking this question for? I try to unwrap it a little bit and, and give some, some hindsight behind it. Even when somebody comes on and might say, you know, I can't believe so-and-so company isn't doing this. They'd sure do a lot better if they did this. It's like, well, no, here's why they don't. And here's why it could be a good thing. Take it or leave it. Perfect example. We, we keep talking about Swiss Army knives. You know, the steel on a Swiss Army knife is, you know, pretty basic stuff. It works, but it's nothing, you know, it's it's nothing approaching the pinnacle of performance that you can get with modern metallurgy. And people will say, man, if only Victorinox, the maker of the Swiss Army knife, if only Victorinox used this steel, they'd be doing so much better. And they say these things without realizing that Victorinox is far and away the largest pocket knife maker in the world, bigger than like the next dozen companies combined. They're absolutely enormous. I think they're doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And they keep coming out with new models. Now, there was another brand that I guess Victorinox bought uh, or took over down the road. So I assume way back in history, the Swiss Army decided to have two different companies manufacture the Swiss Army knife. Is that how that worked? So yeah, there's there's two companies uh, or were two companies. I'll get to that. You had Victorinox, which was the uh, the original Swiss Army knife. You had Wenger, who were the genuine Swiss Army knife. And both were true because they were both awarded contracts by the Swiss government. 
And they were both, you know, going along doing their thing for, for many, many years. And eventually, uh, Victorinox bought Wenger and kept both of the lines going. And I don't have the exact year, but, you know, less than 10 or just over 10 years ago, it wasn't that long ago. Actually, they finally consolidated both of the lines together. So you just have Victorinox and some of the Wenger models kind of moved over with just a few slight tweaks. Because you deal with so many questions on the YouTube channel for Knife Center, you will give tips and I'll put you on the spot. Maybe the top three tips for knife users, or maybe if not three, the number one tip, if you're using a knife, what would that be? And it may be from a safety point of view, or maybe just from a use point of view. Keep it sharp, keep it clean. That's two out of the <laughs> you know, three. I like that. Keep it sharp and keep it really, clean. It really boils <laughs> down to uh, take care of your tool and it'll take care of you. But really, really, that's what it, what it all coalesces around. And you haven't lost any of your passion for knives despite all these years. That was a little bit of a worry when I went full time into the uh, into the knife center. And honestly, one of the things, some of the things I'll do to stay passionate, I'll go do the things that that got me passionate in the first place. I'll go camping. I'll go, you know, do something in the kitchen that requires a lot of knife work. Or honestly, with the YouTube channel, it's those knife AQ segments, those those question and answer videos, because it exposes me to other viewpoints uh, on other people's needs, and it keeps me engaged with the knife world and the knife content in a way that's not just presenting another lineup of knives, which is fun. But if that's all I was doing, man, I, I would get burned out pretty quick. How is it you're able to do I, And I watch the, your, your show, I'll call it shows. I watch your shows or your presentations and somehow you're able, besides being calm and informative, you somehow never slip up. And I wonder how you do that because I don't see any notice. I don't see any slight editing or anything. It's just you go all the way through, or it seems to be. And unlike me, you don't trip up at all. Well, that's the magic of my editor. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there are definitely uh, there's there are flubs. We actually we post a blooper reel once a week on the YouTube <laughs> shorts, about sixty seconds long. But we we're we're lucky in that. We've essentially, I, I say we have three camera angles. We've got two while I'm shooting it, one that's it's on me. Thomas, my cameraman, who uh, channel familiars will be uh, familiar with his uh, snarky presence behind the camera. <laughs> he will, uh, he'll, he'll be following my hands with a third or with a second camera. And then when we're done, he'll shoot uh, some B-roll uh, showing extreme close-ups of some of the things and, and more detail shots. And that, with those three quote unquote camera angles, we're able to uh, make it look pretty darn seamless. That's, no, it's a, it's a great presentation. Do you have a dedicated space at Knife Center for these YouTube presentations? Yeah, we do. And it actually, um, I will say it's funny to me that I'm I'm such a YouTube personality now. And, and I don't say that it, with any sort of like cocksure attitude or anything like that, because I was always a writer. You know, we mentioned that earlier on. I never really watched Knife YouTube. I preferred the written word because you could really say exactly what you wanted to say. And it's it be it's easier to not be misconstrued. So when I came to the Knife Center and started, you know, the, the video things just started morphing into what it is now. And the space did as well. We've done a lot with we, you know, people might be surprised to hear this, but what we shoot in, the room we shoot in is not really a built set. We've done a lot with just a maple top workbench and a white wall behind us. But it is it is our our dedicated video room. Uh, you know, I go in there. We turn the, we got a bunch of lights, of course, to to keep things nice and bright and crisp. 
But yeah, we have our own space there. You really need it uh, when you know, to get away from the hustle and bustle and everything else going on out there. And your audio is good too. Yep, yep. I so, credit all of that to my editor who uh, makes sure we have the right equipment and executes it all together very, very well. Final question before I let you go. What do you see as the future of knives? I know that's an open-ended question, but you're immersed in that world. Are knives continuing to be diversified in terms of their use? Are we going to get to the point, as you did with the canteen knife, that you combined a couple of different functions within a knife? So will we see at some point a knife that's kind of good for everything, or is that unrealistic? Well, I mean, the, the knife that's good for everything is that little three-inch pocket knife that you've got with you, because it's going to cover the most kind of ground. There's always going to be specialized needs. There's always going to be an expansion of niches. We're seeing some more kind of camp kitchen knife crossover stuff. Uh, we're seeing uh, a lot of fixed blades designed to be carried in the pocket. So they're non-folding pocket knives. Those are some some trends right now. Blade materials. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on there to this day. But in terms of where knives are going in the future, everywhere and nowhere. Like I said, the <laughs> knife is, you know, the history of humankind is inextricably tied to the history of the knife. And I don't see that really ever changing. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been David C. Anderson. And by the way, that's S-E-N, not S-O-N. He is digital yeah. marketing manager for KnifeCenter.com, as well as host of the company's YouTube channel, where he reviews knives answers questions, and gives tips for the channel's 182,000 subscribers. And don't forget, go to KnifeCenter.com and on YouTube, Knife Center. David, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, and thanks for uh, pointing out my Norwegian heritage with the SEN. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.